Hello, everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your host, Charles Curtis, and it is a really exciting day, uh, not just because this is my first uh, or second or whatever foray into hosting the podcast, but because I have Michelle Martinelli on the line, and Michelle Martinelli covers NASCAR and uh, college football for us, and she stayed up to watch that amazing, incredible Alabama-Georgia game, and she's on the line with us. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. I am a little tired, but, you know, I had some, I was so juiced up after the game, despite the fact that it was, you know, by the time we were done working, it was like 1 or one thirty that I had some crazy college football-related dreams. Did you? What was, what was your college football-related dream? Um, so I didn't realize this until I was halfway to work in the car, but I actually had a dream that I was playing digital computerized cricket with Nick or with uh, Lane Kiffin and Mark D'Antonio, and in between rounds, I was interviewing Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Wow. That's... That, that's my mentality overnight. <laughs> that's pretty insane, given the fact that you... I, I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? But this is... I mean, this is shows you how, how into college football Michelle is. So she can be able to kind of talk about Alabama's incredible comeback and last night's uh, uh, comeback of the century and, and and another devastating loss for the state of Georgia. What was your reaction, like, first impressions of, of that game? I mean, that's such a loaded question. I, I think you could have my first, in, my first, first impression when Jake Fromm threw an interception on very first drive, my first thought was, oh, it's going to be this kind of game. Yeah. And because you really don't, you didn't know what to expect. And, um, you know, just because it's such a big stage. And then of all people, Nick Saban knows how to prepare his teams for a stage like this. And so you're thinking, yeah, Alabama could absolutely come out firing. Um, but I was actually, I was, I was kind of shocked that they didn't get on the board until the second half. That was kind of startling. Yeah, and, and it kind of speaks to, uh, it's funny to me, Alabama's always been, to me, and this is just my own impression, and, and, and for listeners who don't know, I'm not a huge college football guy. I kind of get into the players who are going to end up in the NFL a little bit toward the end of the season, uh, but even then. But to me, they're like the running team, right? Like they all these amazing running backs who come out of Alabama, and they've always been a running team. So like I know over the years Jalen Hurts has been an, it, you know a question mark to some Alabama fans, even with their success. So... Did you? I mean, but he's a very run-heavy quarterback. Right, no exactly. No ever talking about how strong or accurate his arm was. It's not to say that it was bad, but it wasn't knock your socks off great. Yeah, well, that, that brings us to uh, uh, the decision to bring in Tua Tungo. I, I, I promised myself I would try to pronounce this right. I looked it up. It's Tua Tungavaloa. I think I got that right. Tungo Vailoa. There we go. And apparently the tongue is in there. So it's Tungo Vailoa for those listeners who don't know. Uh, and he he said this at a press conference once. That decision, which is now going to go down in history as one of those Nick Saban decisions that we're going to be talking about for decades. Um, is that like one of the greatest things you've ever seen in college football? Uh, just to, to bench your starting quarterback and, and go with a freshman who's 19? I, I mean, so everyone's reaction, right, it is you're going to go with your true freshman instead of the guy who's been playing for you the whole season. And I don't think Tua had actually gone into a game with this season without Alabama leading by double digits. And so you're, you're, everyone's saying, oh, my gosh, he's panicking. He's panicking. But remember, Nick Saban doesn't panic. Like, I, I just I don't see that as a character trait. He shows a lot of different emotions. Most of them are on the angry side of the spectrum. 
panic isn't one of them. <laughs> and so in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I bet you this is going to work out. Oh, like you're okay. Wondering is he is he a genius or is he insane or is he panicking? And you're not really sure where to go because how could you justify putting in a true freshman who's not even remotely close to prepared game experience wise for something like this? And in in the back of my mind, I'm just like, I bet you this actually works by some miracle. And did it ever? I mean, that touchdown pass was just. And after he took that sack, I mean, when you watch that sack, right. you, oh my god! Just you say throw the ball. You know, and this is something that I've dealt with as as a football fan over the years. You scream at your television, throw the ball away, throw the ball away, find a way to throw. You know, get outside the tackles and throw the ball away. And there he is running backwards and you think oh there's a 19 year old and then the very next play he throws that touchdown pass i mean that that's uh that's history book stuff right there that that you can look at and i think that that kind of brings me to a bigger question which is you know alabama's now won five championships in in a decade um so is it bad for college football that nick saban keeps winning championships i mean i think you can look at it both ways because it's it's kind of boring to sit there and say, you know, the same teams keep winning over and over again. But at the same time, you know, do, do people complain about when other in other sports, when other teams are super dominant? Sometimes they are. Sometimes they do complain. But that doesn't mean the product is bad. But like I, I think there are a lot of people who are probably tired of Alabama. They're waiting past the torch. The Nick Saban, sixty-six years old. Maybe you should are retiring at some point i don't think that's gonna happen no um but you know they're ready for something new they're ready for the the next major powerhouse and that's fine but you can't say that this isn't entertaining football like i my heart was racing last night and i could not have cared less who won the game it did not did not matter to me i didn't have money on it i'm not a fan of either team i it didn't matter but you know what that's exciting thrilling football and I think it's hard to argue you know whether or not you're tired of Alabama winning over and over again you have to look at the product that they're putting out you can't say these games aren't exciting I mean that's that's true I think of a lot of dynasties and that's the funny thing is it's like I was in my mind I I had no skin in the game as it were Um, and I'm sitting there going I'd really like to see Georgia win one. You know, they they, they haven't won one since 1981, 1980, you know, around then. Uh, you know, uh, it's always great to see a new team take it. Uh, you know, Clemson won last year. Um, but I like a good dynasty. That was the other thing on, on, on the other side is, like, I've written about this. I, I, I would be a hypocrite to say, like, oh, it's it's bad to have a dynasty. I think dynasties are incredible and, and awe-inspiring and um, – the kind of thing that every sports team aspires to. Um, I think of Saban like I do with with Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, stays like you said, pointing out that he's calm in the face of of adversity. You think about Bill Belichick uh, a year ago, uh, over a year ago, winning a Super Bowl in this similar comeback uh, against an, a Georgia team. Unfortunately, and we can we can talk about that, but. But those are the kind of coaches that, that I think you aspire to and, and dynasties you aspire to, to, to be. So I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing. So I kind of agree with you, especially if the product's good. I mean, if it was sloppy football that wins them five championships, you know, that, that's a different story. But, the, you know, Nick Saban, after seeing what he did last night and what he's done in past championships, the word genius can be thrown around, you know, which I think is get thrown, gets thrown around a lot. But I still think you can apply it to a guy like that. And... 
I agree that that word is thrown around too much because really, who who is a genius? But you right. sit there and say, they've won. Alabama's won five titles in nine years under Saban. He won his sixth overall, which ties Bear Bryant for the most ever. You're really running out of arguments in the opposition of him being the greatest college football coach ever. And if he continues to to win and add to those accolades, I I think it's how do you call someone the best of the best a genius, right? Especially right. something that requires such detailed strategy like this. And that call last night to change your quarterback and go with a true freshman at halftime, because it worked out, it is a genius call, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, I, uh, you think about, like, the, the people at the top of their – I mean, you'd call Bill Belichick a genius, right? So here's the guy who's at the top of his game who's who's won all these titles. And uh, the question I have is, is you said, you know, maybe he's best coach all time. Do you have any other votes for who else? I mean, Bear Bryant, who's, you know, classic Alabama coach that, you know, he could be in the conversation. Anybody else that comes to mind you think, like, could be in that conversation? Maybe eventually. Uh, but at, at this point – Saban is in just such a league of his own in terms of a coaching resume. You know, other teams can keep up with them. Obviously, other teams, one other team, has shown that they can could beat this Alabama team. But when you look at it from a pure coaching standpoint, Nick Saban is kind of by himself. You know, going into this championship game, people sort of said that they thought or were asking Kirby Smart, you know, do you have an advantage playing him as a former assistant of his, but also a relatively recent former assistant of his? Like, is that going to help you? And he was kind of saying, you know, no, sure, there are different calls you can make in the game that can absolutely affect the outcome. But Nick Saban's real true advantage is he knows how to recruit and he knows how to recruit the best of the best. And, you know, Alabama football wants you. All they have to do is whistle. And yeah. most of them go. And so it's just kind of like if when that's your real advantage and then you put on top of that his strategic decision-making that tends to work out pretty well, it's he's unparalleled. Well, and that you're bringing the, the question that I always have about college football. And, and uh, last year I wrote a whole series where I adopted a football team, a college football team. Actually, it would be, now it would be 2016. I, last year is 2017. Uh, but in 2016, I adopted a college. Adopt? What's that? Who did you adopt? I adopted the uh, the Chattanooga Mocs, uh, a Division One Double A team that did not have such a good year uh, this past year. Um, yeah, and you weren't here for that, so yeah. So I adopted the, the Chattanooga Mocs, and I sort of tried to to frame it as like a um, uh, diving into college football as somebody who hardly knows about it, and kind of finding all these little wrinkles. I actually asked Nick Saban a question on a conference call um, about when you know an Alabama played Chattanooga last year and and, and Saban had a meltdown at halftime because it was a really close game um, I took a lot of pride in that <laughs> that seeing that as a as a new Mox fan but what I took away mostly from college football and I kind of want to explore this with college football at large is I had trouble measuring success right like the Mox it's different in in division um in Division One AA because they have a they have a bigger playoff bracket, um, and now we have UCF kind of you know claiming that they're national champions. Useful playoff bracket. 
Right, right, and and all these arguments, you know. And I, at the end of the at the end of the whole thing, I said, you know what? I'm having trouble measuring success because if you win a bowl game uh, that isn't a college football game, like is that a successful season? I mean, so for Georgia, which might have not have a bunch of players coming back, or for a, a team like UCF, like did they have a, a a successful season, or is ultimately this is is this a failure? I mean. Look at it both ways. I, really, when there's only four teams selected for the college football playoff, I, you know, if you make it to the final four, I think you can call that a successful te- a successful season. You know, you might not have reached your end goal or something like that, and that's fair because, you know, that is of course the goal to win a championship. But I don't think you can sit there and call it a failure if, despite the subjectivity of the playoff system you make it to the final four you obviously did something right you did something better than everyone else in the field the other 126 teams out there so i don't think you can call it a failure for georgia especially since it's only kirby smart's second year right like that's he was coaching with nick saban two seasons ago and so he's got it's a bright future for georgia i think especially with jake Fromm, who is was playing in high school last year and found himself like that's that was my one of my favorite um subplots of last night was that for the second half of the game you had two true freshman quarterbacks duking it out and that never happens yeah and that that always blows my mind when there's a 19 year old doing anything because i know at the age of 19 (laughs) if i stepped onto a football field to you know, in front of all those cameras and and fans and uh, the hoopla and the you know the pressure, I would just melt into a puddle or spontaneously combust. Um, so that always blows my mind when there's when there's somebody you know that age and even you know I mean all college football uh, players are, are are young and, and I'm I'm now dating myself because I'm 35. Um, but I remember you know at 19 being like. What, you know, there's there was I, uh, an Islanders goaltender that was drafted, and he was going to start right away. And I, I was the same age, 18, and I was like, so I'm going off to college just to, like, whatever, la-di-da. And he's going to, like, lead an NHL franchise as the next great hope. And it was like, wow. Like, that to me is a, a bigger accomplishment than, than other athletes in some way. I don't know, just the age thing. No, and that's, an, you know, that seems particularly common in hockey given the – just the path that players take to get to the NHL. You know, that's a very Sidney Crosby, Wayne Gretzky, Steve Eisenman sure. kind of thing to come in when you're 18, 19 years old and all of a sudden be called, you know, okay, you're the leader. Go right. figure it out. You're the next Most great one. are not prepared to do that when, you know, on, on a stage like that with so many people either rooting for or against you, you know, when you're – still a teenager yeah oh yeah and what uh, you you mentioned subplots what other subplots from the game that were sort of the you know we, we talk about the human the human interest side of, of sports and on, on the podcast what else did you see or you know read about or kind of you know what what were you thinking about while watching and afterwards um well what was really interesting is really before Alabama started to take control a little bit it actually looked like their bench was beyond out of control because, um, oh, who was it? The, there was almost a fight on yeah. the sideline. The player tried to fight an assistant coach. Like, I don't know exactly what was said. It was a little hard to lip read, and the camera wasn't on them the whole time. But that's outrageous. <laughs> yeah, it's right? it's not good. Not yeah. You don't want your team imploding like that. 
No, definitely. And that's kind of what it looked like, too, because Alabama had not taken control yet. And, you know, um, I don't know if it, I don't remember if at that point they'd even scored their first touchdown yet in the, in the third quarter. And so you're seeing, oh my gosh, they changed quarterbacks and you got a true freshman in. They still haven't scored a touchdown yet. And now players are trying to fight coaches. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> like, and, yeah. What is going on? Uh, well, something, you know, something happened. <laughs> there was a spark there. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, subscribe to the fact that like a fight, you know, turned things around, but yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, that's, uh, you can't have that. Um, uh, my human element side, by the way, was watching that Jalen Hurts uh, uh, interview afterwards uh, with ESPN, and everybody used, including us, the same word, classy. Like, I don't understand why in sports more athletes aren't just grinning ear to ear. You know, like, obviously, you know, he can say that he won a national championship, not just uh, as a, as a uh, uh, you know, the guy who was benched. He was their quarterback most of the season. Like, he owns it as much right. as everybody else does. And for him to be grinning ear to ear and saying, nah, man, we, we won. And I, I told, you know, I was in, he was in every huddle with Tua. He was, you know, rooting him on. He was the first guy to be, you know. I, I, that was, to me, the MVP performance of the night. To, because that's a situation that could blow up. And it might blow up next year uh, for Alabama. But they shouldn't care because they have two great quarterbacks uh, there still. Yeah, that's, I, I don't think there's a better way to describe it than classy. When, when he was the first person to congratulate Tua on throwing a touchdown, like that's, that, that is, that's a good teammate. And I can't remember the last time we saw something like that when the opposite of that would have been expected as well. I can't remember the last time something like that happened in sports. Can you? No, but I could, it, it reminds me, and, and it, it, we always take it with a grain of salt. We've talked about on the podcast recently the ESPN report about Tom Brady, uh, which Tom is denying vehemently, and, and the Patriots are denying vehemently. But, like, they're saying, you know, that the report is that, that Tom Brady, you know, conspired in some fashion with, uh, with the owner of the Pats, uh, Robert Kraft, to get Jimmy Garoppolo traded. And so you think, like, here we are with, you know, a guy getting benched in the middle of the national championship game. And here he is like, woohoo, we won. And that's all that matters. Like, oh, thank God. You know, and sort of in the context of of what's going on uh, with, with you know, potentially with the Patriots or reportedly, I should say, with the Patriots. Um, it's kind of interesting and, and fascinating to see a quarterback non-traversy. Well, and I think it's a great statement to maybe just the kind of person, you know, we don't know these players off the field. We don't know what they're like at practice or at team dinners or anything like that. But Jalen Hurts is only 19 years old, too. Yeah. And so that's a, a great demonstration of teamwork and sportsmanship and just support from someone who got benched and could have had a meltdown and instead said, I'm going to support my team through this entire game, regardless of what happens. I think that's just kind of heartwarming. It totally is. And I, I also feel like, you know, Alabama can be – uh, a juggernaut and the players can act like that you know and I, it speaks to to something about that team that they can still be 
a dynasty and still act that way. Uh, uh, and I, you know, of course, we were talking about the fight before, so who knows? But you know, I, th- I think right. there's some of. I, I think it, it's a fascinating little, you know, a little look. Maybe you know, you know, maybe that's what makes Jalen Hurts so special. And um, uh, and and he did contribute a little bit. I mean, he ran for forty something yards and uh, you know on a few carries. Um, so, but still, he won a national championship with a team. Uh, that he was quarterback in most of the season. I think that's that's my favorite story, at least coming out of last night. Yeah, and that's definitely a, a good one. And you know, without him, Alabama probably wouldn't be. You know, they they might not have been that fourth team picked into the college football playoff, and we're not having this conversation right now. Right. So, I I, I think that's yeah. You definitely just because he was benched, he definitely still won that championship just as much as everyone else. Uh, well, well, we'll close out with one last question for you. you you've been awesome. Um, uh, do you see any teams next year challenging Alabama? Do you see Alabama, you know, obviously the, the already the number one, they're already the number one, uh, you know, preseason way too early pick before we've seen any, uh, you know, players leave or declare for the draft. Any Are there any teams that you see right now that, that could potentially challenge them next year? Um, I mean, you know, not to kind of keep the same conversation going, but um... – you know, Georgia is bringing back Jake Fromm. And so, you know, I, I think that it's, there's something to be said for a guy in your first year of college leading someone to a national championship. And, oh, yeah, wait, he's only a freshman. He's not done yet, or at least not even close. Um, I think it's fair to always put Auburn in the mix. Um, and, you know, I, I think some people might agree or disagree on where – Clemson and Ohio State fall in there, but I don't think you're going to see any major shakeups. Like, relatively speaking, a lot of the stars of this college football season, you know, the ones who are sticking around, the ones who aren't expected to declare for the draft or who haven't already done so, you know, a lot of these guys are young. We're looking at freshmen and sophomores who aren't quite ready to take that next step, and a lot of different teams have young players coming back. And so, if you liked this season, there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And and where can we find your stuff? Uh, what's your What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle uh, m martinelli four. All right. Yeah. Check. Uh, apparently, someone else got the first <laughs> first view. Oh, too bad. Well, still check out all of Michelle's stuff. She writes uh, really great stuff about both NASCAR and college football and otherwise. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us. And and uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, Charles.